Well, we're currently examining John's vision of the revelation of Jesus Christ and the seven seals in particular. This is New Hope Radio with Dave Therrien. Find us at newhoperadio.live, YouTube and Facebook, The Hope Club Podcast, 1590 AM, 92.7 FM, WARV. Here's what we've seen so far. This is the coming, the tribulation. Oh, yeah. The first seal, a white horse and rider, spoke of the entrance of the Antichrist. The second seal, a red horse and rider spoke of war. The third seal, a black horse and rider. What follows war, but inflation and scarcity. The fourth seal, a pale horse and rider, death. The fifth seal, the martyrs in the tribulation. They didn't get the mark of the beast, they said no, and they died. The sixth seal, earth and space change. The sun and the moon are darkened, the earth shakes. Oh. Remember, each seal followed the one before with the command, come. It's like John saw this movie playing out across the scroll, the scrolls. And what he saw was all of this symbolism depicting what would happen in that period called the Great Tribulation. A time of trouble. Great trouble. That's why the word great precedes it. But now, there's a brief interim before the seventh seal is opened. We find John in Revelation 7, verse 1. He said, After this, after the six seals were opened, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, so that the wind would not blow on the earth, or on the sea, or on any tree. Huh. They're going to hold back. There's going to be no wind on the earth. Let me ask you. You think windmills are a good idea? Not if God stops the wind. Not according to Revelation 7, verse 1. God is holding back the angels until he seals 144,000 witnesses for the gospel's sake during the Great Tribulation. Yeah, will people get saved in the Great Tribulation? Through the 144,000 witnesses, or evangelists, so to speak. They'll be the preachers that offer the way of salvation to those that are left in the world. Interestingly enough, they'll be Jewish. <laughs> 12,000 from each tribe of Israel. So they're going to be sealed. Now, this is not the sealing of the Holy Spirit given as salvation to the church-age believers, but it's a mark that the angels would see so as to spare them from the wrath to come. Of the 12 tribes listed, you know two tribes are missing? Dan and Ephraim. Reason being, they entered into idolatry. So Joseph and Levi were substituted. But Dan and Ephraim are not denied their earthly inheritance in the kingdom. But they are denied protection from the angels. You know, God has used signs in the past, 
to protect his people. Remember back in Egypt, he used blood on the doorpost at the first Passover? That was a sign of protection. He told the angel of death, where you see the blood, pass over that house. Those people are protected. And where you don't see the blood, the first one will die. So here, God uses a mark of some kind to single out the faithful from the faithless. Two kinds of people in the world. The faithful and the faithless. Which one are you? That's the question. Am I full of faith or am I without faith? That's the dividing line of humanity. In Revelation 14, verse 1, John said, Then I looked, and behold, the Lamb was standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his name and the name of his Father written on their foreheads. So these people are mocked out as belonging to God. So in Revelation 7, 4, he said, And I heard the number of those who were sealed. 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. So, these are the Jews, apparently, that were saved in the Great Tribulation. God mocks them out, and they're the preachers of righteousness, the evangelists of the Great Tribulation. Now, Satan will also give a mock to his followers, either on the forehead or the right hand. That's called the mock of the beast. Isn't that interesting? God mocks out those that belong to him, and the devil mocks out those that belong to him. In Revelation thirteen sixteen, he causes all the small and the great, this is the devil, the Antichrist, and all the rich and the poor, and the free men and the slaves. See, no one's left out. He causes them to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And he provides that no one will be able to buy or to sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Man, you don't get that mark. You are out of society. You can't get a job. You can't go grocery shopping. You can't buy medicine. You can't, you can't do anything that requires any kind of business transaction. You are out. Now, if you get the mark of the beast, you can do it. You can have a free ride in society, but you're also claiming allegiance to the Antichrist. Talk about a time of people making a decision. Oh, they're going to have to make a decision. God or the devil? Life or loss? Will they be willing to give up their lives for the sake of eternity and salvation? Or will they say, no, you know what? I need to eat. I need to go to the movies. I need to get gas in my car or charge my battery by then. Who knows? And they're going to make a choice. I'll tell you what. To choose God is to have an eternal blessing. To choose Antichrist is to be eternally condemned. Eternally doomed, even though life on earth might not be bad for a short while, and it won't be good because the judgment is coming. So in verse 10, a great multitude cried out with a loud voice, 
saying, Salvation to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Yeah, these people mean business with God. Let me ask you, do you mean business with God? Are you just playing church? How serious are you about your faith? Serious enough to say, yes, I believe in Jesus, but not serious enough to be a disciple or to live according to the will of God. You're still going to do your own thing. You're still going to live in your own authority rather than what the scriptures say. You're going to make your own rules instead of living according to God's guidance. How many Christians today do that? You got to wonder if they're really Christian. Think about it. If you really, really believe, wouldn't you submit yourself to the Word of God? Or would you continue to make your own rules for life? It's amazing how professing, born-again believers make their own rules out of convenience sake. And they're going to do what they want to do, no matter what, and call it grace. I'll do what I want to do. Because salvation is by faith. Yeah, but how do you know if you have faith? Salvation is not knowledge. It's not head knowledge. It's true faith in God. It's relying on Him. So how many people will be totally shocked that don't go up in the rapture? They're going to think, what happened? I thought I believed. And Jesus says, well, look at how you lived. Look at your life. He warned us in Matthew 7, people are going to cry out, Lord, Lord, oh, we did all these wonderful things in your name. And Jesus is like, depart from me. I never knew you. No, we didn't have a relationship. You did your own thing. You didn't do my thing. You did your thing. And now you're gone. You know, see, these people in the tribulation, they paid for it with their lives. They said, no, man, we're going to be faithful to the end. And if we die, we die. Christians today, they don't have that attitude. They'll be faithful until it's not convenient anymore. And then they'll do their own thing. Yeah, but I, I needed the money. Yeah, but I needed a friend. I need. I was lonely. Yeah, but I needed sex. Yeah, but I needed this. I needed that. And Satan deceives the whole world. So in verse 11, all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God. See, that's what happens when you really see God. You fall on your face. You're like, whoa, I am undone. Verse 12, they were saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Man, these guys are faithful. Revelation 8 tells us something you might have known before. Did you know that men go to heaven before women? Did you know that? Oh, yeah, the Bible tells us. All the men are going first, then the women are coming later. Yeah, how do you know that? Well, Revelation 8, verse 1. When the Lamb broke the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. (laughs) No, don't hate me. 
This is actually the silence that takes place right before something stupendous is about to happen. It's not it, it's not heaven silent because the ladies aren't there yet. We know ladies like to talk. <laughs> Here they come. <laughs> no, this is a silence in heaven because something is going to happen. Something gripping. It's like when people watch a tightrope, a tightrope walker over a canyon. Everybody's like <gasps> holding their breath. Nobody's talking. Or you see someone climb up the size of the side of a skyscraper. People are like, <gasps> nobody's talking. This is what's going to happen right before the seventh seal is about to be open. People are breathless. What's oh, going to happen? Because the seventh seal includes seven trumpets of judgments, and the seventh trumpet includes seven vials of judgments. So now everything stops. It's going to get worse than it ever was. The worship that we just read about stops. The praising stops. The blessings, the amens stop. Everything stops in heaven. And John said, and I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar, holding a golden censer, and much incense was given to him, so that he might add it to the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar, which was before the throne. Now, this signifies the Day of Atonement, which was the Day of Judgment. Right? The Day of Atonement, or Yom Kippur, is the holiest day of the year in Judaism. And the central theme is atonement and repentance. Okay? Atonement is reparation for a wrong followed by repentance. So on the Day of Atonement in the Old Testament, the, the lamb would be sacrificed signifying reparations for the sins of the people, and then that would be followed by the repentance of the people. So when God brings his judgments, the people of the earth have an opportunity to be reconciled back to God. Now, is it the people that have the mark of the beast, or is it just those that haven't decided yet? I don't know. I mean, I'm wondering, if, if you got the mark of the beast, I think that's the point of no return. I think that's it. Because the Bible talks about those that get the mock, man, they're going to be condemned. So there were probably those in the middle. They're like, oh, haven't gotten it yet. But I haven't accepted Christ yet, but maybe this is the chance. It's their last chance for salvation. And by the way, you know, after the rapture, we go right into the tribulation. And there might be many people that we witness to. Let's say the rapture, let's say the rapture came tomorrow. And all the people you witnessed to said no. And I've got friends I witnessed to, they all said no. But maybe after the rapture, they say, wow, my friend was right. They're gone, I'm here. I'm looking at what's happening. Maybe I will say yes. Maybe it's time. So maybe these are the ones that are going to get saved. Hopefully that's why we need to keep our life right. We need to make our witness 
pure, share Christ with people, so they'll remember after you're gone what you told them, and they have an opportunity to be reconciled back to God. Now, sadly, like we saw previously, many will just hide from God. They're just going to hide. Fall on the rocks, right? Hide us from the wrath of Him. Hide us from the Almighty. Right. Let me quote you Adam Clark's explanation of verse 3. Here's verse 3. Another angel came and stood at the altar, holding a golden censer, and much incense was given to him, so that he might add it to the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar, which was before the throne. So it's nice to know that your prayers are before God's throne. Here's what Adam Clark said. On other days, it was the custom of the priest to take fire from the great altar and a silver censer. But on the day of expiation, which is the Day of Atonement, the high priest took the fire from the great altar in a golden censer. And when he was come down from the great altar, he took incense from one of the priests who brought it to him, and he went with it to the golden altar. And while he offered the incense, the people prayed without in silence, which is the silence in heaven for about half an hour. Maybe that silence was a time of prayer. Not because the ladies didn't get there yet. Only f- having fun with you ladies. But it was a time of silent prayer. And then the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up before God out of the angel's hand. What a scene. See, the scene that's being played out in heaven is really representative of what happened on the Day of Atonement on the earth. Expiation and repentance. Sins are blotted out. And people are repenting for their sins. You know, the first message Jesus preached when he came down from uh, the wilderness being tempted by Satan? Repent and believe the gospel. The kingdom of God is near. That was his first message. Repent, believe the gospel. The kingdom of God is near. He was the kingdom of God. And he said, here I am. That's why John the Baptist would say, listen, make straight your path for the way of the Lord. Make your path straight. Jesus is coming. And look, there he is, the Lamb of God. That takes away the sin of the world. Get, in other words, get ready to receive the Savior. They, people were warned. Get ready to receive the Savior. He's coming to save you, to save your soul. And some say, yes, thank you, Lord. And some say, what? What? Save my soul? From what? I don't need saving. I'm okay. Go save somebody else. I'm all right. Let me tell you something. Nobody's all right. (laughs) Nobody. None of us. We are all born alienated from the life of God. That's why we need to be born again. Born from above. 
the word again, enothen, from above. We need a spiritual birth that brings us into relationship with God. Apart from the birth, there's no relationship with God. None. It's impossible. You can join any religion you want. You can do any pilgrimage you want. You can offer any sacrifice you want. Nothing matters. It's a birth that matters, a spiritual birth. And it happens at the moment of acknowledging Jesus Christ as your Savior. So these prayers are going up. And these are the prayers of the tribulational believers. You know, David said in Psalm 142, verse 2, May my prayer be counted as incense before you, the lifting up of my hands as the evening offering. Notice the relationship David had with God. He offered up his prayers and he offered up his hands. Offering up your hands, a sign of acknowledgement and a sign of surrender. That's why in worship on Sunday in church, you can raise your hands. What you're saying is, God, I'm surrendering to you today. I'm surrendering my will. I'm surrendering my thoughts. Because I want to hear your thoughts, and I want to know your will. That's the surrendering. It's a beautiful movement of surrender. And that's okay to do. Sometimes you need to come out of your comfort zone, get your hands out of your pockets, and just worship God. That's what David did. And then in verse 5, Then the angel took the censer and filled it with the fire of the altar and threw it to the earth. And there followed peals of thunder and sounds and flashes of lightning and an earthquake. Are you kidding me? Get ready. Now, here come the judgments. Remember the prayers of the martyrs? What do they say in Revelation 6.10? How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Well, guess what? God is going to answer that prayer. He's now going to avenge them. He is. And the seventh seal, remember we talked about the first six seals, the seventh seal now, after this period of silence, brings the seven trumpets, and the seventh trumpet brings the seven vials. Like, get ready, planet Earth, because it's coming. And the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound them. They're getting ready for new judgments to come upon the earth. Oh, wasn't it bad enough with the first six? That's pretty bad. Guess what? Here come seven more. And in that seven more are going to be followed by seven more. So next time we're together, we're going to hear the sound of the seven trumpets. What tune are they playing? We're going to see. That's why this is called the Great Tribulation. Mega. You know the word great? It's the word mega. Mega means really big, and it's big and bad. Like mega fries. You know what they are? Big and bad. Bad for you. You know that mega soda you get? Big and bad. (laughs) It's bad for you. Well, these judgments, they're going to be big 
and bad. Bad on the people of the earth. That's why today is the day of salvation. This is a message that needs to be shared. You go to the Hope Club podcast and say, tell your friend, you go listen to the Hope Club podcast. And you need to listen to this message. It's called The Seven Trumpets of Judgment, Part 1. That's what this is. And Part 2 is coming. Because we need to get people born from above. We need to do that. Why? Because if not, hey, if the tribulation doesn't come in this lifetime, guess what? The mouth of hell still waits for people. And it's wide open. It's wide open for those that said no to Christ. So every non-believer's tribulation begins when they die. You're entering into a great tribulation if you die without Christ. That's what's happening. That's why the church is so important. Don't be a lazy couch potato and sit home and say, oh, I'm just going to, you know, I'll just watch the church and do nothing with your life. Are you kidding me? Do you want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant? Or do you want to hear, cast him into outer darkness? He's just lazy and passive and indifferent. You want to hear that? I don't. I want to hear, well done. That's what I want to hear. So we got to spread the good news because it is good news. And it will keep people from the greatest tribulation, the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. You don't need a motivational speech. Need a fire lit under you. That's what you need. Forget about churches that just make you feel good. Find a church that makes you feel bad. (laughs) We'll make you feel bad here. We'll convict you. Why? Because we care. Because we care. We care for the eternal soul. That's why we have the Hope Club. The Hope Club is a commitment by people of $3 a week to promote our radio ministry and our podcasts. You know, last week we had 700 downloads. No, last month. 700 downloads of our messages. I'm like, what is God doing? He's doing so. Last week we had 400 downloads of our messages. You can be part of that. Go to newhoperadio.live. Click the menu bar. Join the Hope Club. And be part of a team that's going to spread the gospel over 31 countries. Come on, let's get serious with our faith.